Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and TV shows, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? How much did they sacrifice to make a great movie? Is that the word we'd use? I don't know. That's what we're here to find out anyway. We're here to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I don't know anything about history. I have vague uh, knowledge on a few subjects, but I just love history. My Uh, name's Michael. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Mark, and uh, apparently I hate Winston Churchill. Yeah, we we all find things out about ourselves watching The Darkest Hour, don't we, get lads? Um, This might be a slightly different episode than others you've heard from us, but yes, we're talking about Darkest Hour, Uh, a historical drama that won an Academy Award. Did it win an Academy Award? For acting. Yeah. Oh, Oldman yeah. as Churchill. Okay, well, which is like he basically got that for getting quite fat. I feel. Yeah, I mean he's not bad, but like a lot of it is prosthetics too. Don't yeah, really. well, okay. I presume. So what this should have been the prosthetics theme that got. I mean, I'm just saying. When do you ever hear the prosthetics theme get called out in, for an Oscar? Mm. It's pretty much never, right? Yeah. Well, you know, just for added context, if you've listened to uh, this show before, we do record it. In the Republic of Ireland, um, we have a 66.666% Irish uh, uh, participation uh, quota. quota is this the is this the like listeners beware? Yeah, there's some biased feelings here. Is that is it's that, more like this? I don't know. It, this is this film. I thought was okay. I know we're just like I said, it's a slightly different format on this one, but I thought this film was okay for a lot of it. And then there's parts where I, as someone who is Swedish, not Irish, goes like, ah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, I think I know a specific moment you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, there. oh yeah. Did that super <laughs> didn't happen scene? Yes. Anyway, I have a one sentence summary. Do you want to hear it? Let's go. Do it, Jacob. I don't love it, but here it is. A cantankerous man is made prime minister <laughs> at a time of war and rallies the people by rousing speeches. Yeah, that's that's a. That's actually not a bad way of, of summing it up. Cantankerous is a... Um, I, I'm going to say that's a generous way to describe Winston Churchill. Um, a bit of a cunt is made Prime Minister. <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah. better. It's okay. probably closer. Yeah, we'll, we'll, um, I'll edit that in. Um, yeah, so it is about Winston Churchill and his first month, basically, in office. My uh, assumption, having not seen it, was like, this is like the life of Winston Churchill. It's like a biopic, but it's not a biopic. It's a slice of life just happens to be this certain slice where uh, the UK is being drawn into um, World War Two. Yeah, like, it, like see, so I, I thought it was actually going to be a biopic too. Like, I knew the, the, the climax of the movie was going to come up to the point at which Churchill makes his famous... Uh, we'll fight him on the beach. We'll fight him in the streets. We'll fight him on all this kind of stuff. I, I like. I thought that would be the climax of the movie, all right. But I, I did think they were going to lean uh, or lead up more to it, and not just have it as focused. Which I actually think, as a concept for the movie, is probably a good idea to focus it like that. But the the problem was like for me anyway. Like this, this is a fluff piece. Like this is this mm. is like. This is like you're a famous actor and your best friend is a, is a, it works for a Hollywood Reporter. Like it's just it's just a complete fluff piece like and every other character in this movie is just reprehensible or pathetically weak or badly acted um and you know it just it, it just doesn't have any realism to it at all gary Oldman's portrayal uh portrayal of churchill is 
phenomenal. He's a brilliant actor. Yeah. His speech patterns, the way he the way he's he delivers lines, um, as Churchill did. Unlike the the previous episodes of uh, of Real History, this is a this is a person who who we do have recordings of, we do have mm. photos, we do know yeah. what he was like and yeah. how he behaved. This is not Maximus Decimus Meridius <laughs> or uh, Robert the Bruce or, or whoever else. Um, so, I mean, Oban is playing a, playing a person who um, we have a real understanding of, but he's playing the historical he's not playing the historical person he's playing the culture hero he's playing the icon and uh it's it's impressive but it's also quite irritating yeah it's it's almost irritating because i would like to see a film about the historical person yeah like i would like to see that more than this as you described it, a fluff piece or a propaganda piece whichever way you want to lean on it Mm. um because that feels like what it is and that unfortunately is a feeling that i mean yeah okay it's a it's a british film about world war ii it's probably going to be slightly biased obviously, of course but of course. like yeah but just like i don't know what did you think michael you've been a bit silent over there love um, it hate it w- what i like the the idea of uh, in general when you're when a film is being made about a character it's nearly impossible to do something on their whole life yeah. um Fair. so what i do like when i am seeing uh, a, a studio decide to make a movie on a character that I like that they pick a certain time of their life so they can really concentrate on say a particularly stressful time um, or a particularly kind of historically important time so I like the idea that this is leading this is at the outbreak of the second world war um, and you know I like the fact that it's time limited to a special or to a specific time, but I don't, um, I, I, to be honest, it's a very forgettable movie apart from a uh, few great lines by Gary Oldman. And, um, as well as that, I think a really excellent portrayal of Churchill as a man, uh, maybe not so much as any, uh, as a, as a leader or anything like that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I would agree with that. I think, I think, you know, if you're going to do, like a, f- a full biopic of a, of a of a uh, a person of historical note like like Winston Churchill undoubtedly is you can't do that in a two hour movie that's that's definitely true but here's where it gets really really problematic they're leading up to this point where he makes the speech and they're focusing on this really specific period of time this like one month his first month as, as prime minister but then they get all the fucking dates wrong mm. so they get to the point where they're doing he he gives his famous speech and they go it's the 28th of may it's not the fucking 28th of may it's the 4th of june it's really really famous this is recorded speech you can listen to it on youtube i mean it's not as if they didn't have to research or they couldn't have researched this this is being made by english people who know damn well the date of this speech was it a reprisal maybe he made the speech originally and then he no no. here's what they've done yeah they've changed the date so that they fit it in line with the dunkirk evacuation yeah about which churchill hadn't basically nothing to do seems uh margo cut you off seems like you had a lot to do with it because i watched this film <laughs> and uh he basically arranged the whole thing yeah well look we're we're, we're looking what at this <laughs> we're looking at this from the british lens and you know now we're, we're talking about you know uh, a world war ii movie from the british perspective um and i've mentioned dunkirk which plays a, a major role um in this movie and of course there is the chris nolan movie dunkirk which you know, it, it, it's just, it's really fascinating to me from a, I don't mean this to be in like an anti-British thing. I'm not anti-British, uh, despite my Irishness. But Dunkirk is an evacuation. It's the British army in its period of 
highest calamity in probably in history certainly in modern history it has been not just beaten by the german army but just sensationally mopped up by the german army and what's happening at, at dunkirk and what's happening around this time where churchill is rousing the people is they're running away as fast as they can so fast that the army can't organize to do it so the locals the people this the the, the subjects of the empire have got to go out in their boats to save the people yeah not when Churchill's making this speech, before Churchill makes this speech. You might even say one of the reasons he made the speech is because of the level of calamity that Dunkirk was. Um, he's trying to rouse the people to, to, to get them ready for war because the reality of it is they're not ready. We've uh, sort of launched directly into the film and, and whether it's accurate or not, which is fine, but uh, what you just said goes into some of the period of time there, but can we give a sort of broader sense, like... Please, uh, let's imagine, you know, from our context, it might be hard, but let's imagine someone who has no idea what the fuck is going on at the start of this film and, like, what is actually, what's happening? So, the time period that we're talking about is the the interwar period. Um, It's, like, a lot, like, some people, some historians um, would say that, like, World War I and World War II were essentially the same war. In some respects, they they, they largely are. Um, But what's important to know is that... um, the, despite having won, uh, in air quotes, as much as anyone could have won uh, World War I, um, Britain is on the side of the, the winners. Um, but the cost to the, the, the empire is only becoming apparent um, in the 10 years after the war. So you're talking the entirety of the 20s and the 30s, Britain's really not in good shape. Um, the power of the empire has declined dramatically. Great Depression. Um, the Great Depression has hit. People are people are poor the level of death like the death toll in world war one just to put it in context the entire professional british army is essentially wiped out in the first month of world war one yeah. i mean i mean this is this is like the best way to think about world war one is is it's like two really really strong heavyweight boxers just throwing haymakers at each other it can't last that's why it becomes a war of attrition you know they're just they're just you know like napoleon's famous line he has this yeah he used to say this thing where oh uh three thousand men died in this battle I spend 30,000 lives a month. Yeah. That's a day or a week in World War One. So, I mean, the, the level of catastrophe uh, that besets uh, the British Empire can't be, can't be understated. So, leading up to this point, um, the situation on the continent is very different. The, um, the Germany has been uh, co-opted and merged with Austria by the Nazi um, the, the the Nazi party and Hitler is well entrenched in power at this point. Um, Italy is under the control of the of the fascists. Uh, they're rearming their fury over the over the uh, Versailles Treaty that ended World War One is such that they're gearing up for another fight. Britain is not prepared at all. Neither is France really. They've put all their 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 ducks into or all their their ducks. I'm mixing my metaphors. They put, they put all their in a row and they put all their ducks in a, in a row. Yeah, their eggs in a basket. Yeah, the, so the they, eggs have hatched. It's too late. Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> ducks are eating the eggs. It's weird. No, they've put all their eggs in the basket with this thing called the Maginot Line, which is a heavy defensive um, series of fortifications along the border with Germany, which the Germans go cool story. They just drive around it. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say that's. It sounds I've never heard of that. <laughs> so yeah, didn't so work out, I think li- literally the the bulk of the French. Um, um, certainly their heavy weaponry is, is focused on the border um, and the reason they've done that is because that's where that's where most of the World War One fighting has gone on like right. the, the border regions of France are destroyed in World War One, but the Germans they have spent so long developing their army they, they, the Nazi the Nazi government is, is really really 
wise to what they're what they're, the French are doing. They're not really concerned with the British at this point because they know the British are not gearing up major manpower. They weren't really able even to, to do that to any great extent in World War One until they brought in conscription. Um, but the Germans essentially just go around the Maginot Line in in, in just a hilarious um, encirclement of the French line. But they don't just take the, Fr- the French by surprise here. They they, they kind of take the, the British by surprise. They, they they just think Belgian neutrality is not going to be violated mm. as if they hadn't violated it 20 years previously. Um, or hadn't taken Czechoslovakia. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And, and, and th- this movie um, is set in the time where um, the British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain, has spent... Uh, he basically spent all his political clout yeah. in his attempt to appease uh, the expansion of Nazi Germany to appease Hitler, um, which is a which is a a strategy that Churchill is completely against. Historically true, absolutely. Yeah, Churchill is against this, but this move doesn't explain why Churchill is against it, and it it, it tries to it tries to like put it in context where Churchill is speaking for the people. I mean it's just utter claptrap. This this is a this is a man who is is born with a silver spoon in his mouth to to a point like he is every stereotype of the upper class um powerful yeah. English nobleman. That's that's who this guy is. He, even he's not speaking a, for his people. mother is even a rich American heiress, you know. <laughs> At the time that yeah. was all the rage. Yeah, yeah. So his <laughs> <the> English <laughs> Exactly. So his father is this kind of entrenched Etonian um, upper class kind of work for the government, work in the military. His mo- his mother is his uh, rich American socialite. Well, he is English and in politics, so yeah. he is. To this is, day. Don't you have <laughs> to be rich to and go to Eton to do that? Like, isn't that a thing? I'm, I mean, it is. It is. A, it is a, yeah, I mean, to some extent, it, it is a thing. But what what, I, what I'm saying is, he he is the the pinnacle of that. Yeah. So if you were to take it in modern terms, um. Not to not to discuss British politics to, to in, in modern terms to any I great extent, but it, Boris Johnson is trying to be Winston Churchill. That's yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Well, we were bound to get into this sooner or later. Uh, I think some reviewer described it as excellent Brexit propaganda. This whole film. Yeah. And I definitely feel that, and I feel that. Yeah, Boris Johnson, his whole thing is he wants to be Churchill so bad. Oh, so bad. I, so I think bad. he's written a biography. Of uh, yeah, not surprising. Like oh. he, he is this pathetic fanboy of of Churchill and what he's what he's going for in the whole the bumbling kind of thing he's he's going for the characterization of Churchill as this um larger than life larger than life uh, incredible genius who's so intelligent he can't even speak properly because he can't get the words out fast enough you know well Um, well as far as what you were saying about um the film trying to portray Churchill's motivation against Hitler from the start the idea in my brain, which is, I don't know how it's, no, it, it's, it is basically like a romanticized idea. There, It's hard yeah. to talk about Churchill will, without having this romanticized idea that sort of bogs down the film a bit. Um, because like the idea in my brain is, or the story that keeps being told over and over is that everyone, nobody saw what Hitler was doing except Churchill. He just knew. Yeah. He just looked him in the eye and knew that this man was up to no good. And famously, Hitler was up to no good. Um, so that's why Churchill just gets away with murder. He's on yeah. the right side of history when it comes to that in, but, in terms of the policy of appeasement. But Accidentally. Uh, yeah. Accidentally. It's, 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 it's accidental. Like, Chamberlain, um, and in this film, uh, Lord Halifax, who's portrayed masterfully by Stephen Stephen Delan. Oh, we love him. Big, uh, big fans. Big fans yeah. of Stephen Delan. Um, 
these these guys are portrayed as if they're kind of these weakling fucking lick splittle fucking betray the British public this, this kind of these are guys who are trying to prevent whole scale slaughter uh, okay history proves that they were wrong fine but don't betray Neville Chamberlain's uh, memory like this is a guy who's trying to stop the horror of World War One happening again and Winston Churchill is a warmongering oafish prick who it just happens to be right in this situation I mean was he a great wartime leader? Yes. Is this a romanticized, a romanticized version of the guy? Yes. But the reason, we have to understand the reason for this is Winston Churchill is probably the principal English culture hero. And it's because he leads them through World War II. And nationally, to the national psyche, they've, they portray this as, we won World War II. You know, they have this phrase in, in football where they're, where they're chanting at the Germans, two world wars and one World Cup. Um... And that's fine, and that's uh, okay. You can say they're they're in the Allies. The Allies win the war. Britain doesn't win World War Two. Britain survives World War Two, and that's 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 the real uh, the reality of the situation. Um, but Churchill is a, is a he's a national icon for the English. Um, I was actually when I was looking into this, I, I came across a BBC television series from like fifteen years ago. It's called The Greatest Britain, where people literally voted on who they thought the, the greatest the greatest British person was. Yeah, he was number one with a bullet. Like he was straight in. Um, was Wellington on there? Wellington's not there. Well, Wellington's technically Irish. He's um, oh, yeah. well, he was born in Dublin, but um, he is in there, but he's not in the top ten. I just can't help but think of when I think of like great figures in wartime of yeah. of the UK. I think of Wellington, yeah, the because he also became prime minister afterwards. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. Kind of chilled out for a yeah, bit. but well, uh, Wellington defeated Napoleon. Uh, yeah. Churchill was responsible for the Gallipoli disaster. A little bit different. Um, oh, let's go into this. This is mentioned in the film and something I should probably know about. What's that about, Mark? Yeah, so so um, Churchill, uh, by virtue of his uh, background and his, his um, being part of the old aristocracy and all that kind of stuff, um, as a young man, he, he, he joins the military, becomes a cavalry officer. Uh, he's a classically educated guy, very good writer, to be fair to him. Um, but he's a, he's Did you a, say writer or writer? Well, both, yeah. uh, to be fair. Uh, writer, I meant, though. But he's a, he's a cavalry officer. He's involved in the uh, British military to some extent. He eventually rises to become the first Lord of the Admiralty. Um, his role in World War One, Which means you're in charge of the Basically, yeah, you're, you're, you're helping decide where the fleet's going. Um, right. Playing with boats. Playing with boats. Playing with boats. That's um, the one, yeah. Slightly. That's Nelson, right? Yeah, Nelson. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. See, this right. is, I have to connect these things in my right. brain. I don't okay. really know. Again, Nelson won the Battle of Trafalgar. <laughs> Churchill did Gallipoli. Um, so Churchill's idea is that he's he's trying to open an, an, an another front, essentially in World War One, and and they would do that through uh, the Ottoman, through the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, so they would attack what's modern Turkey. And long story short, they're basically trying to uh, trying an amphibious assault up a hill, and they just get pumped. I mean, it's just a complete farce. Like, just walking into a meat grinder they just get absolutely annihilated and it's so severe that he that he really badly damages his reputation certainly as a military leader um the film mentions it but i i think really historically you've got to say this is a big chip on churchill's shoulder he's trying to recover from this great military disaster he's responsible for it is uh i I will say that's there's a scene where he's arguing uh with our man stannis and uh in the hallway and like this gets brought up and 
the acting there is superb from from Gary Oldman and he, he when he's like yelling about how it would have worked if only this or that had happened but like the look in his eye is this haunted sort of chip on his shoulder type look of like you can see the guilt there but the also the classic british upper class yeah, thing of not yeah, never yeah. admitting that you were wrong about something as well so that's well, really well portrayed for churchill as well like the, the the other thing is like yeah that's a massive chip on his shoulder but he's also got the weight of history on him because he's carrying the churchill name and uh, british history has um a very famous figure john churchill um and john john churchill was the first duke of uh marlborough and he he was around in the in the 17th century and he was like responsible the smokes. for smokes just like the smokes mm. but he was around uh, in the 17th century and he was a he was a military commander who 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 essentially stopped the monmouth rebellion like so he's a, he's a, he's this like kind of dashing military leader so this is one of churchill's ancestors you know so in his head he's like okay i'm aristocracy i'm descended from this great general i'm quite witty i've got this uh incredibly charming mother who who everyone loves you know all this kind of stuff he's got everything going for him he's educated at the best colleges the yeah. best schools he's he's gotta a say writer. it must be rough right that's it's, i mean it's a tough life right yeah. the best of whiskey the best the whiskey yeah, yeah which he has the film makes it out like as if he's bankrupted himself because he can't stop smoking cigars or drinking whiskey but i mean you know the guy the guy like a lot of aristocrats was living on credit yeah um you know because they they didn't feel they had to work for a living because they felt their their work was we should be in charge. Why should you be in charge? Well, because of the class I'm from. Yeah. You know that that that's what this is all about. You know, he just feels he should be the leader. It's his destiny to be the leader, regardless of whether he's had good ideas or not. And historically, his ideas were very very bad. And what do we think of the the main female character in the film who plays? Well, there isn't really a main female character. That's that's, that's the other. <laughs> the other about the typist. Mm, the, the typist, little, yeah. The girl who follows him around and. I yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be really really mean here. But <laughs> okay, go on. But with what little Lily James, who who plays who plays uh, Elizabeth Layton, well, what little she's got to do, she does nothing with it. I mean, the 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 level of acting that you get from the small scenes that she's in is really jarringly poor. I mean, you've got Gary Oldman, so you, you you've got to bring your your A game here. You're playing you're playing opposite a, really a great actor who's playing a larger than life super famous historical figure and she might as well just not be in the room at all like it's just dreadful like really really poor well i mean i uh i did expect more from the star of pride and prejudice and zombies really so <laughs> it's, it's fair quite fair. disappointing um Michael, she was in it instead of instead of uh instead of um kira knightley frankly this director joe wright he he, he made the movie atonement which i actually liked based on a really the really good ian McEwan novel um, with Kira Knightley, and then he also made Anna Karenina, yeah. and curiously cast Kira Knightley in that role. So uh, I guess Lily James, maybe he just thought, oh, that's Kira Knightley, right? Just bring her in. Probably cheaper. Yeah, yeah maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the budget yeah. all went on Gary Oldman's prosthetics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> well, Michael, <laughs> Michael, what did you think of uh, the girl? Uh, Sound very British there. The girl. The girl. Yeah. Well, I suppose the they needed a vehicle to hide to someone who could be seen to be passing you know the most intimate moments of the day with gary oldman and as as his typist the idea i suppose was that she witnessed the creation of all these great speeches Mm. and moments and all this type of thing so i i see why the character exists 
Um, I don't know uh, personally if it's if if his she's based on any historical person in particular or anything like that. But it's, it's it's more that like okay, she, she's she's as a character she's there to serve a purpose. But give her some lines like. Why have you cast this person? She's she's doing nothing, and what little they do give her, she doesn't do it very well. But maybe she doesn't do it very well because the writing is just not there for her. Like I, I understand what you're saying. Like she's there, she's there to witness his, you know, his off the cuff genius. Like as if he he hadn't laboured for hours writing that speech. Like what nonsense. But I also feel that if her scenes were, was him typing or him dictating and going like, we'll fight them on the, and she goes. How about beaches, sir? <laughs> that wouldn't be great either, no, would it? No, yeah. but I mean, it doesn't have to be on the nose. That I, I don't want to be coming across like I'm trying to be like. I know the movie is about Winston Churchill, but if you're going to include a character like that, don't do such a disservice to her, you know. And then his wife as well. Churchill's wife is in it, and she has about four lines. And does yeah, Churchill's wife has a potential for their like. You get to see snippets of their relationship, but it is overshadowed by everything else going on. It's sort of a, a lost opportunity. He has more of a relationship with the king uh, than yeah. he does with his wife in this film. Don't get Mark started on the king. Mark? Yeah. So, um, this is the... So, sorry to cut you off. I just want to, for, for context, what I know of this king is exclusively from uh, the king's speech. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, this is the same king. He's, yeah, yeah. He's no, the, I got he's that the, the, the father of the current queen um and yeah look i have not i've nothing in particular personally against the king but it's just he's portrayed by uh, an actor who i just cannot stand at all and it and i mean at this point like i'm really aware that i'm not even i'm not even having a go at the technical failings or the technical successes of the movie and it's just pure personal bias but ben mendelson being in anything just destroys it for me i cannot take the guy seriously he just has this unbelievably irritating style of speaking even when he's acting as different characters doing different accents he's just incredibly annoying interesting yeah so how about the historical context of the king uh mark that we're talking about here on the show well (laughs) sorry um yeah look i mean great hair (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i mean like the, the movie would not suffer at all if that character wasn't in it um, they, they make a big thing of, of uh, Churchill's relationship to the king and then his relationship to the public. And I think every British prime minister traditionally is supposed to have some kind of a relationship to, to the monarch. Now, to what extent that's important? Probably in recent times, you'd say it's almost irrelevant. It's just lip service kind of stuff. In the, in the, the 30s, given the horror and the, and the difficulty that the, the, the country has suffered, um, you'd imagine... Um, and a tradition that still holds you'd imagine the, the, the monarch's role is probably still a little bit more viable yeah. um, and that's, that is true of, of, of George VI he, he, he is somebody who was uh, I, I suppose more um, in the national consciousness in a way that maybe the monarch's not now they're just essentially celebrity figureheads now well, can ba- I ask Sorry, no, sorry, you go ahead, Jacob. Well, I was just going to quickly say that based on the King's speech and Darkest Hour, I, it seems like being a great leader is literally only about writing speeches. And I, there was like dueling speeches going back and forth between the King and uh, the Prime Minister at this time. Michael? Well, what I was puzzled watching the film and uh, was more whether there was actually such high-level context between the, the Nazi regime, German government, whatever you want to call it, and the British regarding such peace terms? Or was it more that the the idea was being pushed by members of the British cabinet 
but was it actually given serious consideration? That's 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 what I when I was watching the film, that was the question I actually had. Yeah, so it's kind of, I, I guess historically, um, despite uh, despite the attempts of Dominic Rabb and, and others currently to undermine this, the British are are masters of diplomacy. This is their thing. They're the masters of diplomacy. Is there high level contacts between Churchill and Hitler around peace talks? There's no evidence for that at all. Uh, there's there's parts in the movie where Lord Halifax is trying to get Churchill to talk directly or you know through channels to Hitler about what the peace terms would be. No evidence for that at all. We have no idea if that happened. The likelihood is no. That's not what happened. Did Hitler want peace with with Britain? No. I mean, this this is not what he's after. He's after shock and awe. I'm going to knock France out of war. The Brits will surrender. They'll surrender on my terms. They're not talking about. Let's surrender now. That's 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 not really what's happening. The British have not declared war, uh, or sorry, they have declared war, but the British have not really gotten into major major contact in terms of like naval battles or air battles or anything like that to to a great extent at this point. And the role of Mussolini is that important? The the contacts as as a as a sort of a, a that well that that that's so, that's that sort of thing yeah. in, in traditional like diplomacy in Europe. Yeah, I mean. The British, the British, uh, the the British strategy, I suppose, for for centuries in Europe is to prevent one power becoming mm. dominant. So their their whole thing that they do is they and they do it brilliantly, to be to be fair. Like, but they they play one power off against each other. So the idea that you would contact one power through another, yeah, that that mm. that tracks as as being something reasonable. But just in this case, that's not what happened. And was a lot of the pressure on Chamberlain due to the failure of the Munich Peace Conference uh, to actually stop Hitler. Well, for sure. I mean, look, Chamberlain has to has to suffer, like his, his reputation has to suffer forever because he, you know, he has this, the peace in our time moment where he's waving around the handkerchief or whatever, um, saying that like Hitler has agreed that he's not going to expand any further than the Sudeten land or whatever. Um, he's going to take a bite out of your sandwich, but not, the, he's not going to eat the whole sandwich. Yeah, yeah, he's only going to eat the crust, like, don't worry about it, I'm just taking this little bit of Czechoslovakia, well, he won't take Poland, um, then you turn <laughs> around and he's, you know, he's nicked Poland. But, um, Chamberlain's always going to suffer from that, but I think the, the film does him a bit of a disservice, to be honest, because they, they, they make it seem as though he's kind of conspiring in the background with Halifax to, to, to get rid of Churchill, but that, that didn't happen either, you know, <laughs> Chamberlain was not trying to undermine the British leader. He was, suddenly now aware that they're in the greatest war in the history of the world he's not going to go in and try and wipe out the, the, the leader even if he's a guy he disagrees with that's just that's that's just not true it's not what he did you know yeah i want to get into the worst scene in the film which is also the scene that definitely didn't happen <laughs> eh. um eh, eh. yeah this is that's uh, my only contribution yeah well this, I'm sure we can all have something to say here. There's a scene on the underground. Um, it's mentioned early in the film. <laughs> I've never been to the underground. Or maybe I've done it. That was, I enjoyed it's that. It's not bad, actually. It's not yeah. bad. Maybe yeah. we should do a remake. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put that in uh, the show. Yeah, I, you know, Suggestion box one. Yeah, one, one of us can play the typist. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, pro- I'd probably be a more convincing typist than Lily James was in this movie. <laughs> So, so there's this scene early on when he's like, "I've ridden the underground once," or whatever he says, and and then later on, 
it's raining and there's a stoplight and he's under all this pressure to figure out what he's going to do. Oh, what am I going to do? We already know that he's... He, I don't think he uh, was even on the verge of, like, faltering one way or the other. I mean, maybe a little bit, but, like, like we said, historically, no real evidence of any of this no. uh, actually happening. Um, but, yes, yeah, so he gets on the underground. And there's a very charming scene that I fucking hated, uh, just from a film point of view... And because it's it is a it is the climax of the film moment. It yeah. is like the turning point, yeah, yeah. and it's such shite. It definitely didn't happen at all. I mean, obviously he didn't get on the underground on this day. That's not the central bit. It, the feeling here that I always talk about. Did this feel real? No, not even close. And they've done a fairly good job through the film. Like, yeah, it's it is uh, it is a fluff piece it is candied at times uh but it's reasonably believable yes and it's like yeah. darkly lit and more it's yeah, like you yeah. can watch it and then you get to this scene where it's very comedic and <laughs> members of the public basically stand up i mean first first of all he's he's entering this uh underground card and he's just killing like everything he says everyone's just laughing and yes we've heard about churchill's great wit and he has had some great one-liners you know or yeah, two-liners yeah, yeah. he's got killer one-liners it, it yeah. is true but then like he he just makes everyone laugh like have you can you imagine like a situation where uh, a top leading politician is just genuinely loved I, I i get that like the presence of someone like that would have an impact but like the adoring faces of these people this is the public that churchill imagines in his mind to the point that i feel we are psychologically in his brain mm -hmm. seeing a version yeah. that plays out only for the deluded mental state of this upper class twat uh sorry getting a bit carried away there uh, he did some good stuff beautiful for sure. <laughs> i mean but what i mean this is like this is like a boris johnson's wet dream yes. yeah. this, is. So <laughs> this is what churchill if this had happened, this would be like his internal brain version, and then we yeah. would cut and see the actual version of what's really happening, and it's nowhere near this, and then he goes off to Parliament like, yes, the people have spoken, I must do this, but it's all in his brain because there's no way actual humans would act the way that they do in this scene shouting about, like, no, no, we shall, they shall never take Piccadilly, and uh, never, never, and, and like there's children yelling to go to war with the it's Nazis. It's almost like a, a moment from the stage more than anything else yeah, that you'd yeah. expect to see in a in a short play or something like yeah. that. It's just, it's just this, like this this idea that that this like high class self-righteous self-important toughish twat would get onto a train with the working class poor dirty people who don't have enough to eat and they're like oh yes please Mr. Churchill send me to get murdered by the Nazi war machine it's just fucking nonsense like just Terrible, terrible rubbish. It's obviously never happened. It's it's so bad that whatever investment you have in the film, in the reality of the film, or the suspension of disbelief, it's completely destroyed by this nonsense. I had I have an app I use to track the films I watch and the ratings I give them, and to make sure I didn't forget, I'd already put in Darkest Hour after about half of it because I felt like I knew what, what I felt about it. Yeah. I had to reopen it and lower the score due to this scene. <laughs> yeah. That is not a joke. It's still a two out of five. It's not a one. Like there's good stuff in this film but it went down for sure for sure and historically Churchill didn't show too much concern for working class people as shown in say the, the slaughter of Gallipoli he's an uh, arch conservative he does not give a shit there was famine in India as well which many people blame Churchill's decisions on that we could go on here but I've heard not the word genocide in connection with him um, I don't know 
I mean, look, that might be a bit harsh. The, the, the guy, the guy is, um, he's the ideal leader for a country like Britain in the situation it's in. But his his memory is completely clouded by that. Like, for example, the end of the war, he's voted out of office immediately. It's very difficult to stomach this guy under any other circumstances than we're all about to die and he's going to give us some inspiring speeches. And he does do that. And his rhetorical skill is excellent and he does have this unique kind of voice and he is a good writer. That's that's all true. I've re- like, I've even read the, guy bo- the guy's books. Like, he is, he is a good writer. But, you know, the, the idea that he's this wonderful, charming, kind of eccentric uh, drinker who, who just is a tortured genius... That's our game. Like, don't you come know, on to yeah, our turf. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we don't, we don't, like, we, we do that in the context of what's the great achievement? Oh, he wrote a good book one time. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Irish version of that. But the, the British version of that is, I won World War Two. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> yeah. just rubbish. Like, Another thing that is, it's often the case, like, people forget that it, there's a, the old saying that Britain st- stood alone. Or England stood alone uh, is what you hear a lot of the time. Yeah, England, like, forget Scotland. They're, they're not real. But it's not even that. For, forget the empire. The British, like, the the, the British empire was sti- still traversed great portions of the earth. Uh, Britain could draw on the strength of its colonies, its allies. Uh, so it wasn't just a small island nation going up against uh, an evil uh, Nazi empire. It was one empire... Uh, based largely, I suppose, uh, all over the world in many places, from India uh, to, to to Canada, you could say, if, if you were including the um, uh, the, the dominions, um, to, to a large uh, European-centered power, Central European power. So it was one empire against another. It wasn't one single country floating in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean against a, a massive behemoth, you know. Um, and I think a lot of the time that's the way it's portrayed in scenes of the Battle of Britain and all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that, that that's a very good point. I mean, I think look, we're we're going to have myself and Michael at least are going to have certain biases about Winston Churchill. Um, just being Irish, we have certain biases against him. Is he a great man in history? Yeah, he is. Mm. Did he give great speeches? Yeah. Was he a good writer? Yeah. He is the number one British. Uh, certainly politically he's 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 the icon um and because of that people forget the realities about him that like you know he was deeply unpopular with with most people for most of his life but, but this isn't uh, a unique to britain either like no, the french would not. have this well, we with, have this about our own with, or with uh, de gaulle yeah. uh, they would have certain biases towards him um but if you examine de gaulle's life you can see that he just like churchill he made he had a lot going for him but he also made a, a lot of mistakes um, U- u.s presidents like yeah, jfk just a, just an awful person just a dreadful dreadful person bill clinton horrific man like but you know charm gets you a long way yeah, in politics it would appear you know so uh if you can string a few words together and you can do crack a few jokes people will kind of forgive you for a lot it's well, this, in, this yeah. is the point that, that i was so surprised with the film like i mean look i know they're trying to tie his great moment his speech in parliament which is really well done like it's really 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 well pacing done. i not, thought was really good it's, actually, it's not very yeah. believable <laughs> the, the way it's the way it's filmed like when they're all throwing their papers in the air and all that but it's very cinematic it looks great but i mean you're building to this climactic moment and you get the date wrong and it just I, I, I can't forgive that like, I know it's a, I know it's a fluff 
piece and I know it's not meant to be a documentary and blah 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 but this is the big moment in the movie and you just you go actually no let's make it look like it's happened concurrently with the Dunkirk evacuation like just but if you're not going to be just accurate like, like don't include the date don't put the date in yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. so, like I wouldn't yeah. mind but the way they it's do it in the big. Movie, it's <laughs> huge it's a big date in the middle of the screen May 28th and you're like no 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 that's not when this happens. Well, what you mentioned about um, the fact that he was voted out six months after, which the film does mention. It, yeah, it goes, they say it kind of in an afterward. Yeah, the afterwards, like, yeah. like, yeah, and then they got rid of him. Um, I think that's why people like Boris Johnson and his ilk, Donald Trump as well, um, just or a lot of political figures uh, throughout history are really spoiling for a fight because, as we said, uh, you know, Churchill or the English in general, they love a good war, like, or yeah. used to, uh, because it's like, and uh, Romans as well, we talk a lot about Roman history. Oh, and no like, one loves a war like the Romans. It's love like, it. you've yeah. got to get out, like, that's how you show you're a great leader, by yeah. going out and taking some shit over. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that is why I think modern, in, in our modern society, it's kind of difficult for these people because they have to paint people in a super negative light they have to build up this us and them mentality which is really detrimental to society just in general but you really have to do it because you got to get that power and it still fucking works people still eat Uh, up when you go and and, the european union is the actual devil and that's like because we need it's always been it's always been the continent that's always been our problem you know i think you're you're right in so far as that uh years ago people would have maybe tried to appeal to the middle ground uh and they knew that the to the secret to winning an election was to appeal to the middle ground so to convince the people who waver on either on left or the right to vote for you um whereas now people seem uh, there seems to be well this is obviously going off history but but it seems to be more uh pick your side your sector and go whole hog uh 100 percent behind that opinion no compromise and that's like you said it's very divisive and very damaging and i I think as well like with um political leaders like the way the way public memory is you're really only going to remember for one thing or kind of two things maybe like if you take the example of some of the british prime ministers like theresa may is going to remember for not delivering brexit yeah awful but that's true tony blair is in, in my view unfortunate because he's going to be remembered for getting it really badly wrong in Iraq. He's not going to be remembered for, you know, Investments in schools. Investments or, in schools, yeah, yeah or, or just, just things like, you know, the, the minimum wage or settling Northern Ireland or helping to settle Northern Ireland, leading on that, I would say. Um, and Churchill is, is, is fortunate in this respect because he's going to be remembered for, he was the leader who helped us survive World War II or helped us win World yeah. War II, which I still submit they didn't do. Um but you know he's not going to remember it for for the whole like that's that's the 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 prism through which his the rest of his history is viewed, which is very fortunate for this guy because the rest of his history there there are moments of real reprehensible behavior from this guy. He says and writes things that if you were to if you were to understand them in a modern context like there's no getting away from it. it's some racist stuff this guy comes out with like you know in his history and i know you have to understand someone in their own historical context it's not that long ago though you know no, it isn't. it's really not you know and yeah so yeah you gotta have him basically like embracing this young black man on the underground as well just because yeah yeah this is a real churchill move i'll just go over to this minority guy here who you know what i mean who who knows or cares who i am yeah <laughs> yeah i don't feel like this is maybe just a 
uh, an assumption, but I feel like he wouldn't have wanted to touch this man. Like it was, no, of course, the forties. <laughs> like he goes on and says, "Well, what do you do for a living?" Oh, well, I'm a shoemaker. It's like, oh, a noble, a, a noble profession. And like, Fuck off. Like, <laughs> what I what I do think is important that it it's actually when it's a, when you are watching a movie that has been correctly historically accurate uh, researched or or they've clearly made an effort to do it in a way. Um, it's it's you enjoy the movie more because of that whereas it's a lot actually easier to pick apart movies like this like the darkest hour where you've already thrown that out the window so then your storytelling has to be perfect yeah Yeah. it's almost similar to gladiator where we are we know that shit didn't happen but like they the filmmakers embrace that and make a story that is actually engaging and on this side i feel like they've done that that if you're very patriotic, they've made a film that is going to appeal to you a lot. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But you mightn't learn that much more about Churchill or that time no. by watching this film. Well, it, 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 it bears saying as well, I mean, at, at the same time that this movie is released, there's another Churchill movie that also came out. Which one? Um, I think it's just called Churchill, but it, mm. it's... Um, oh, yes. It's, it's uh, somebody... Scott, somebody who's playing? It's a Scottish actor. Yeah, I can't, think, I can't think of the guy's name, but it just struck me when you said... Um, Brian Cox? Brian Cox, that's it. Mm. Just yeah. It just struck me when you said, um, oh, it, it, it comes off like a, a Brexit uh, piece of propaganda. I'm like, there's two Churchill movies and a Dunkirk movie Yeah. right around the time where the, you know, the Brexit negotiations are... Um, let's say, not progressing. Yeah, I just opened up the Churchill uh, film Wikipedia. It says, not to be confused with the film Darkest Hour, also <laughs> released in 2017, starring Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do have to just reiterate, though, like, Gary Oldman is excellent. Yeah, it's true. He delivers it so well. It's it, it, He's so believable as Churchill. It's just that the character of Churchill is... He's not shown warts and all. They make an attempt to show that he, that he is being shown with his proclivities towards drinking and smoking cigars and stuff but in a charming way though but it's all very charming yeah. breakfast just, whiskey yeah you know yeah. it's all this kind of oh isn't he the charming scoundrel <laughs> isn't he wonderful he's not wonderful like this this guy's cost lives like you know and he, and and he just happened to be right about hitler but yeah. really that's what I, be, I believe about churchill he just happened to be right one time but you know a broken clock <laughs> yeah, you know that's in the film, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like exactly. Like, listen, let's yeah. not get too on the nose. So it's a wow. fluff piece. This movie, and it's it's variously engaging um, and extraordinarily irritating. Yeah, but wouldn't merit a rewatch at all. Which is which I you, didn't do. You didn't rewatch it for this now, <laughs> so that's why you've been a bit quiet. Exactly. I think that's telling. You know, when you have to, when it feels like a chore to rewatch a movie. Yeah. Uh, Probably, probably isn't up there for if you're fu- if you're a fan of history, you know. Whereas Gladiator, yeah, throw it on now. I only watched it yesterday, but I'll, I'll watch it again. That's no problem, you know. Yes. Well, uh, just in case we've ruffled your feathers, do be aware that we you can leave an iTunes review and tell us exactly how fucking wrong we are. Uh, just search for Real History. That's real with two e's on iTunes, and uh, let us know what you think. Don't spare your words. Uh, we'll read it out on the show even please do give us some corrections on why we should be more patriotic um and besides that i think you should go to showswhatyouknow.com for all of our other shows uh discussing television and films historical and otherwise and beyond that anything else lads i think that's that's much it that's probably it i'm just hoping that our, our next episode is a film i don't hate as much as this thing made me i think we should do churchill <laughs> next we'll <laughs> yeah see. maybe compare and contrast well Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. 
And that's the real of it. <laughs> no, that's not it either, is it? No. <sighs> I really hope you'll be back. We'll figure it out. Should we just like do a really, really terrible ending for every episode? Just do a different one every time. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so far, so okay. bad. Okay. Let's 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 just stick with that. Then.